0: Hello everyone, it's Kat and I'm solo again this intro. Beatrix isn't on the episode today, and we're sorry, but she will be back soon. So send her messages letting her know that you miss her. But we do have two great guests on to fill in and we're discussing the Plated Prisoner series by Raven Kennedy. So listen ahead and don't miss out. We fangirl like crazy. Raven, if you listen, we absolutely live for you. And while you're here, make sure to pre-order my debut novel partner tracks so that i can continue to be a writer i'm going to list out some tropes for you so you know what you're getting into number one one room one bed number two workplace rom-com number three rivals to lovers number four snowed in number five forced proximity number six smutty as fuck number seven older woman younger guy number eight female best friends and number nine a dirty talking beta male and number 10 a heroine who's just a little bit bitchy. So if you like those tropes, definitely check out Partner Track by me, Kat Wynn. You can order it uh, where books are sold. And also, if you like it, let me know when you read it. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Tall, Dark, and Fictional, a podcast about romance fiction by romance writers. I'm Kat, and today is an extra special episode. And no, that doesn't mean that we all have amnesia and we're going to learn to love again. Instead, I have two good writer friends who are also return guests of the show. And I'm going to introduce them to you right now. We have SJ Tilly. SJ, do you want to say hi and let everyone know who you are?
1: Hi, everybody. I'm S.J. Tilly, and I'm sure you've listened to all of these episodes, so you probably remember me. Uh, I write such things as the Sin Series and the Sleet Series, which is all contemporary romance, which is our jam. And they're smutty books, and it's fun. So that's me. Hello.
0: So go check out SJ, and also we have another friend of the pod, and her name is Gabby. Gabby, why
2: don't you introduce yourself as well? Hi, I'm Gabby. Um, I write romance as well, and I am an aspiring author, hoping to be published in the near future, later future, whichever that is, and um, love all things romance and this podcast, um, and very excited to talk with y'all today. And where can they find you? Oh, good question. On Instagram, at writes, come for a lot of memes, a lot of sarcasm, and complaining that I need coffee. (laughs) Stay for the the friendship. Yes, it's the friends we made along the way.
0: It is the friends we made along the way. But anyway, on with the show. Today, we're doing something fun. We are doing a book review series, and the book we're talking about, we have all read. It is called The Plated Prisoner Series by Raven Kennedy, and we're going to be talking about the first book, called Guild, even though we've read all three, and I think she has a fourth coming out soon, isn't that right? Correct. Yep. Do you know, what's it called? Do we know?
1: Gleam. Gleam. I think? No, Glow. I think Gleam is out. (gasps)
0: Glow. Okay. Glow is the fourth one. First thing I have to say about this series is genius titling, genius theme. I would not be able to come up with all these GL words. Like like she should do like a, a wordle, right? There's just like a thematic Raven Kennedy wordle cuz I see her, I she's just really smart the way she did it and also I think we all agree covers are beautiful.
1: Amazing.
2: Yeah, they're beautiful.
0: I guess my first question is this. Are these books traditionally would they be considered romance?
1: I so I think yes, but I think it's well, okay, I'm uh, I have long answers for everything.
0: Give a long answer,
1: yeah. I think it I think it's romance. but like, if you say traditionally, like, you know, I think that there's a lots of interpretations as to what people think traditional romance is, and that's like
0: capital R romance.
1: It will be. like it does get there. But if you're talking strictly book one, like we're talking today, you're not there yet because I think romance is like a happily ever after. You know, this; these books end on cliffhangers. Like, if you know Raven Kennedy, they all do. But it is, it does follow that theme of personal growth and relationship and love and respect and all of that love and fluffy and fun stuff. But this way it's just packed into kind of a fantasy paranormal, little bit dark, super depressing, <laughs> action-filled <laughs> show.
0: It is depressing, but I think that Raven Kennedy does a really good job of... I don't know if it's, it's not protecting you because I think as the reader, you're actually taking a lot of abuse too in the story because you're like, oh my God, you can, you just are so frustrated the whole time you're reading it, but she keeps it light and bright. Like this narrator Oren she keeps it light and bright.
1: Yeah, well, and that's I think Raven Kennedy, who I am like obsessed with. Like, if I was ever gonna fangirl over someone, like it would be Raven Kennedy. I would lose my shit, Raven. If you listen, like I love you. Oh my god, <laughs>
0: she definitely doesn't listen. But that'd be cool. We're she gonna might. tag her at We're gonna tag her ass in this shit. Yes, yes, we will.
1: <laughs> but that's her. Like, she has other series, like the Cupidity series that I believe Gabby has read as well, and like where it's there is an underlying current of just like darkness, but such as life, right? But she finds a way to make it funny and lighthearted with, like, the jokes and the situations, but when, like, you really look at it, you're like, oh, God.
0: Bleak. Yeah. This is bleak.
2: Yeah. Her, yeah. her yeah. stitch is fucking bleak. Well, and Oren does a, well, the character, in the, even in some of the worst possible moments where, like, you as a reader are horrified to be reading what you're reading, she manages to, like, throw in some levity that you wouldn't think would work, but it does.
0: She has a she has a catchphrase, bright side. Yeah, she's yes. like
2: bright side. Yeah, she's right. like the
0: bright side. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> like, that's always the bright side. <laughs> the bright side. He hasn't raped me yet. Yeah. I'm always like Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I have to say, like I fucking loved that voice. That I, and this is my first Raven Kennedy like series. I guess I read the whole series, so I was not like familiar with anything she had done, and I thought her voice. The voice is so clear. And definitely an unreliable narrator for at least most of this book. And then I think, like, as we go through the series, she becomes more honest because she's not being, you know, gaslit anymore. And by the way, all the spoilers on these episodes, all the spoilers. (laughs) Yeah. So if you haven't read the books, I'm going to put it in the notes. You've been warned.
1: But even if you haven't and you listen to this and it all gets spoiled, still fucking read it because it's amazing.
0: Let's get into, like, the actual story itself. Great opener on this book. As a writer, I think openers are so hard. And she sets the scene where we see Oren, who's in a gold cage, a gilded cage, literally. And she's been summoned by Midas to basically watch him fuck a bunch of concubines. And the thing about it, which I thought was really interesting, was, like, it hurt her feelings to have to watch. But I think what hurt her feelings even more was that she wasn't allowed to participate with other people because she was so isolated from the world, which is like really in this whole book is like such a good analogy for domestic abuse and what it's like to be isolated and how dangerous that is.
1: Her only contact was with her captor who she saw as her savior. I mean, it's Stockholm syndrome. Mm -hmm. This is the best best way i've ever seen it written because it's so well and i want to say it's so realistic even though obviously we're talking like fantasy land whatever but like realistic in the way that like after years if not like decade more i can't remember the specifics here like this is how you would react like she sees him as her savior even though he's her jailer and like it's just such a mind fuck like the whole thing and the imagery and it's one of those things where it's so beautiful like every once in a while, someone will ask, like, you know, what if you could live in some book world, what would it be? My mind always comes to this because the imagery is so beautiful. But like, absolutely, this is not a world I want to visit. You know, like, the, <laughs> no, so, there's so much messed up with it. Like
0: constant snow, gold everywhere.
1: Right, but it's but it's that visual of it.
0: Snow pirates. who Yeah. Oh, sorry. Beautiful. I jumped too far. <laughs> That's okay. I was gonna say something that I thought was really interesting, and this is not even like the first book, but like one of the um contrast the foils that i thought was so good was midas is like the gold king right even though we know he's a fraud but king rot like the word rot he is like nature that's his whole thing he has this like in like jesus kind of too because he has this like thorny crown basically but is but that he's like about like decomposition and like growth and like what is like Where do we come from? We come from dirt. And that's like his thing. And I just love like the difference between like the sterile, shiny gold. That's like, you don't really want to live in gold compared to like being out in the world, which is like air and like dirt. And I think that's so that's so beautiful.
1: Well, it isn't at first look, you think like, oh, gold and shiny, they're the good guys. And like the rotted dirt, like that's the bad guy and like the mold. But it's like, no, that's actually where life comes from. And I love too as you go through the series, and I don't, I can't remember again because I love all of them, and they all live together in my brain, and so it's hard for me to separate out which Same. book is which. <laughs>
0: I'm having trouble too. That's why I like right. literally talking about the end right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but they, you know, they talk about too like the, the the queen. She mentions you know like the places where the gold is starting to wear off, and you can see a little bit of like the color mm-hmm. from underneath. And so it's like, again, that first glance, everything is, everything that glitters is gold and everything is beautiful and shiny and perfect. And then you see, like, kind of that underlying layer where it's just not quite perfect.
0: Also, like, the gold injures people and it the gold takes life away. And just like capitalism, guys. I'm kidding. I
1: mean, <laughs> I mean they have, I mean, they have those lines in here, though, too, because it's like, you know, he's, he can... "Quote unquote," he can turn stuff into gold, right? Like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, and, but his like city is full of people in horrible poverty, you know. And she doesn't see that until like you know the one time she gets carted off, and she's going through the town and realizes like how poor it is. When it's like you could literally turn stuff into gold, and yet you are letting your people suffer and die and starve to death.
2: I thought it was also interesting that that's that's what she sort of comes from. You know, there's the whole part where she was stolen from her family when she was very young um, and was living on the streets at one point, And that's basically like how he found her, um, mm-hmm. oh. like in that alley. But it's almost like she was inside for so long. Like there's a scene where she talks about um, how she she purposefully like shut herself away because she wanted to keep everybody out. But like once she was out, she was like, oh, I can. Like, I can breathe again. I can see again. But it's almost like reconnecting her with where she came from also. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, like, in the beginning,
0: at the very beginning of the book, like, kind of our stasis where Oren is, is that she's trapped. And she isn't. She's, like, desperately in love with her captor. And um, he is just a huge piece of shit. And he <laughs> does all the things, like, like, and honestly, as a woman, like, you, kind, you, you totally understand her. You're like... Yeah, been I feel like we've all fucking been there. Like well, well and he
1: he puts it under the guise of protecting her, right? She is in this cage so no one else can touch her because she's so special to him. You know, so for anyone that hasn't read it, right, like it's like her feeling like now she's on this pedestal, she's kept in a special place and he's made her cage huge. She can walk between rooms, but she's still in a cage.
0: Yes, you know, and it's, she owes him, right? Right. She owes him, which is like the ultimate fucking scam right there like like this is like patriarchy right like patri patriarchy is like women you owe men or you or like you owe the world your services or whatever but but truly it's not true like the world owes us i think that's Uh what we learned but we have like this beginning part where she is stuck in in the cage and then we have this shift which was really smart where suddenly she's like in the in the open and she is in danger like all the time so okay somebody remind me how did the transition happen from inside to outside
1: he went to the so he did like that backhanded deal with someone else and took over someone else's kingdom and then had all of his saddles or concubines whatever shipped over to him because now he wants him so now she's like in her own carriage under guard and all the other saddles are in like another carriage so even then too even though she's basically a sex slave, just like the rest of them, she's now separate because she's the favored. So now they all hate her, even though they're all they're all in the same ship boat. But now she's even separated from them. And so that's when they start their little trek that's supposed to be, you know, from one kingdom to the next, which how they ever thought that would go well, clearly, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And that's
0: what she learns, like what Gappy was saying. That's what she sees, that the kingdom, even though Midas is the gold king, has nothing everybody's in poverty and that's where she comes from and it's basically like she goes through this again and she she actually does get hurt oh before that i want to make a comment about something (laughs) raven kennedy explain yourself what is with the constant like not the constant but this happened a few times where like when she would be in danger with specifically like a man they would say something to her like i'm gonna leave you I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck you up so bad you're gonna be nothing but like a cum filled husk at the end. Like more than one man said something like that to her specifically. I'm like, what is our fucking obsession with cum? I'm sorry, what is happening?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that talking about patriarchy and like that's your that's your leave behind, right? That's what <laughs> else what other sort of message can you give?
2: Well and for men that view women in general, like, as a commodity, like, she talks about that a lot. She says, I'm nothing but a gold coin. You know, they view them as less than human, so I feel like that was really her way of expressing. I mean, so many of the men in this series are just terrible. Yeah. Um. There's yeah. some that, there's definitely some that are not, but they're not just, like, they're not just bad. They're, like, extreme, and yeah. I think she just wants to show that that part of it. Like,
0: you can't trust any of the men at face value. No. Like, they all, like, the ones who are good basically have to prove themselves as good. So, this is very true to life. Well, which is also, <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, and that's, you know, it's the parallels to real life and the experiences of women, you know, specifically throughout this whole thing, too. And it's like, you have the cage versus out in the open. And it's like, we've all been there. Every woman has always been there where you're worried about being by yourself somewhere or walking somewhere, you know? So, it's like, and we don't all have carriages full of guards, but even then, you know, it's not, nothing is guaranteed, and so I think it's, she really did a good job of, like, capturing that female fear.
2: Men cannot protect you from the patriarchy either. And she also shows, like, the mindfuck of being with somebody who is such a manipulative person, because anytime, she's constantly worried, even though she knows that he quote-unquote loves her, that he's told her this, she's constantly worried that if she says the wrong thing, He will be mad at her, and how will he then treat her? It's not that he, I mean, he abuses her in so many different ways, and a lot of them are very subtle, and she doesn't even quite get it yet. She, I mean, obviously she realizes later, but he's made her afraid to like even question the orders that he gives her, the things he tells her to do. And, but she thinks that's love because it's like all she's ever known.
1: Right away in the beginning, she gets super hurt by him. And this is, again, after the opening scene where he's banging all his other, you know, sex slaves, saddle concubines, whatever we want to call them. He is making a deal with a king of another kingdom and says that he'll let him have her for a night. And she is, like, distraught, which, as one should be, right? Mm -hmm. But also, she's so distraught that he would let someone else touch her, even though he spends his days sleeping with... A harem and has that harem sleeping with other people, you know, but like for her, it was special that he was the only one that would have sex with her. And there is one scene during, I think it's that first book where you do see them having sex together. And it is so, it's one of the worst <laughs> things because it's not, I mean, yes, it's, you know, in the technical term, it's, like, rape because it's the captive sort of thing. But for her, she's viewing it as, like, a consensual whatever thing. But, like, as the reader, when you're just like, I hate him, he's so awful, she doesn't see it yet, she's still under his clutches, it's just such a hard thing to witness. But then she, you know, he brushes off the whole, because obviously he doesn't go through with it, because things happen, and he ends up turning on that other king anyways. But, like just watching her react to that was like, for her, that was the biggest betrayal.
0: I was horrified as a reader reading that. I I was genuinely like, because I wasn't sure what we were going to see on the page. And I was like, oh fuck, what is about to happen? And we do see some pretty horrible things on the page. Mm -hmm. But yes, I agree with you. Really well done when she does have sex with Midas. And one, of course, she has an orgasm. It's not even a thought to her. That she right. had orgasm. In right. fact, I was wondering throughout the series if she was gonna have like her first orgasm later with King Rot later on. But I guess that didn't really they never really touch on that. It sounds like she did maybe have orgasms before, but I was wondering if that was gonna be like a whole
1: thing. By herself when she's drinking all her maybe. wine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. (laughs) which Something else we haven't touched on, but, like, I mean, she talks about it, too, especially, like, when she's still living in the cage before they try to move her. Like, Mm -hmm. she is a full-blown alcoholic, and, you know, she talks about needing her wine, having, like, a bottle or two of wine every night or whatever it is, but it's, like, that's her. Of course she fucking is. Who wouldn't be being Mm -hmm. stuck in a cage, you know? Like, that's what you're doing. But it was an interesting element, again, that adds towards... The reality of life and the things that people actually do to cope, you know, like that was her coping mechanism.
0: Well, because when people gaslight you, you are out of touch with reality. And when you're out of touch with reality, nothing can make you feel okay. Nothing. The foundation of your existence isn't correct. If the foundation of your existence isn't right, you're not going to be right. And what are you going to do? Try to feel good however you can.
1: Copious amounts of wine. Whether
0: that's like fuck your, fuck your captor. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Drink some wine. (laughs)
2: Needle at your guard. Yeah, like one person who cares about you. Well, and I also thought that was interesting because because like to highlight how lonely she is, but because of the system that we're that they're stuck in with all these powerful men, they've also turned all the women against each other. They all view their power as being desirable to a man, like at least in the first book. You would think in a lot of books you would read something like that and you would think she would become friends with the other saddles or maybe she'd have an ally or maybe they'd have some sweet moments and that is not like at all the case and it's but they're set up to be against each other on purpose right so they can never they could never change their situation in any way plus this is a story about sex work and most of the sex workers are
0: women but there is a man also and it's like i take the word saddle for instance i thought this was like a beautiful term to use because the king refers to his concubines whatever as saddles which is on the one hand like so it's so degrading. It's also like funny sounding, right. and it's, and it's got this like fantastic historical sound to it. You know, like it's a horse saddle or it's something you ride. Yeah, and it's just so funny how like the language that it's brilliant Raven is really smart. Yeah, yeah, and and they use it a lot. The the what do they call them? The the royal saddles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a fucking bar (laughs) right (laughs) that you would go to it's a boy band (laughs) yeah and like how everybody internalizes that language once they start using it Mm -hmm. and you internalize it as the reader you're like okay i accept this now and now this is like
1: my world too well and then you then you start to question because it's like well what do you call you know like the prostitute the whore like what do you call it but it's like but no they're not there by choice you know so it's but it makes it sound like it is because it's glamorous but like at least I don't think most of this group is there, you know, well, cause what's the option? It's that or going out to living in poverty in like your shit ass city, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can't anger anybody, but then drug use, you know, becomes a thing too. And, you know, it's, it's super interesting, you know, like what Gabby was saying too. And it's like, just like the way that the women like their, their appeal is towards men. But then you look at the queen So Midas' wife, who we learn more about as the books go on, but, like, she has her own male saddle, who she has just the one. Well, I think she probably has multiple, but, like, we see the one multiple times, and it's just the way that she replicates that same way that the men treat the female saddles. Like, you want, you keep hoping that she's going to be decent. She's such a a horrendous bitch. Like, you know, (laughs) it's
0: like. And she has a little less power. Than the man does. So it's like her exercising power the way that she can. But also, she's going to get fucked in the end anyway.
1: Right, right. She knows it. Yeah, I mean, she's so bitter. And I get it. I fucking get it. But then, yeah, to not, you just just hope that she'll be better, right? But she's not. Which shows that women can be villains, too. You know, like, it's not just the men.
0: Women's carry out the patriarchy, also.
2: I just said women's. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Well, and also the part where, like, she can't, um, you know, she's not able to get pregnant, which is, in oh, yeah. if you were to look, like, in a historical context, right, like, that is the value of, and that's not the truth, but that is, like, the way people were treated, women were treated, especially hundreds of years ago, so... You'd assume in this fantasy world that that's the same. So she's basically been discarded. I like that you start to see her. You got to hear her voice in the later books.
1: It's funny, too, to bring up the pregnancy thing. Because, again, like in historical romances and actual real-life historical time, like, it's the woman's fault. She's Mm -hmm. barren. Couldn't be that fucking King Midas, who's been sleeping with his saddles for a decade and hasn't gotten anyone pregnant, is the actual one who, like... But he does. Oh, is that his
0: wasn't it wasn't it his at the end is like the third book he gets somebody pregnant
1: you're right because there's the pregnant chick is that his kid but it, but, or do but we not know but
0: your point I think it is but your
2: point still stands yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah. thanks yeah <laughs> I was like racking my brain I was like wait a minute
1: if we're gonna jump right to that because I'm okay with that sure just to, sure, why to not, show yeah. the difference <laughs> like with women not standing up for each other because how many times does Oren try to like create a bridge between her and the other saddles and like tries to help them. And then when that other stupid bitch gets pregnant and she's like trying to help her and she is just awful to the end when like Orin's mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to like save your life. And she just won't take it because Orin is this favored, the favored one, even though like you would think too, these other people who are in the same situation, they, they see her as some, you know, some like the favorite, like she is, but she was still a prisoner. Like, and how do you, like, oh my God, it's so frustrating. I think,
0: I think it is complex and I think Raven Kennedy makes this complex because all the women, I think you feel for them on some level. I think they have empathy for each other and even Oren to some degree. I, Oren, I think in her position of privilege is able to have more empathy for them because she's not the one being used in the same way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even though, yes, she's also in a terrible place. She's our narrator. So we're like, we immediately side with her. But if I were one of these women, I would fucking hate her too.
2: I'd be like, I'd be like, fucking
0: get rid of this bitch. And like, even this happens on their trip when, because we feel for Oren where she wants to be on a horse so she can see the stars while they're traveling, even though it's dangerous and it's going to slow them down. And I think it ultimately probably gets them caught her being out like that. We get the perspective of the other saddles who are like, well, fuck you for that. Like, fuck you for doing that. Fuck you very much. (laughs) And it's like, they're
1: right. They're totally right. No, it totally makes sense. Well, and even then, like they don't even let go of that anger when she could help them. And that's too, where it's like, Even if you hate her, at least use her.
0: Well, they don't trust her. I think that's
2: part of it. That's true. But would you trust her? Of course. Probably not. Right. Yeah. I don't... I mean, I don't know. She... I feel like she proves herself a couple of times, even in the first book. But again, like you said, she's the narrator. So you empathize with her the most because you can see here inside her head. But you know that first... That first time where she... um. I can't remember, is it Polly, who's dancing, and she tries to, like, get her a reprieve, but instead she hits her in the face with a book. Um, And she's like, oh, well, I tried. But, like, I don't think – I think that she kind of lacks some – she lacks some people skills. Yes. Because she's not really allowed to interact with people, like, in a normal way. She's treated like a statue. So even when it comes to these women, they – Perceive her in a way that she is like that's not who I am. But I don't know. I can't change your mind because we've never like had real interactions. Friendships are
0: a thing you have to build, and we're like, oh, they should accept her because we have built a relationship with Oren as the reader. But like, we wouldn't really if we were in their place. Also, that scene where she throws the book—I think that was like our first hint that Oren can make things gold because she picks up the book. Okay, I wasn't clear. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you guys can tell me if you remember differently. When she picks up the book, I think it isn't gold, but it turns gold. And then when she throws it, that's why it's so heavy, and that's why it injures that other saddle. I could be wrong, but when I read it, I remember thinking, when did that book turn gold? But I wasn't sure. Maybe it was already gold, but I don't know.
1: I would have to reread it because I have no idea. But if we're going to go there... Yeah. Well, we're going to go straight to the scene when it is fully <laughs> revealed that she can do this. So for again, anyone that hasn't read this, like you are introduced to her as the king's favorite that he keeps in the cage and she is pure gold, gold skin, gold hair, everything she wears is gold. And it's believed that King Midas can turn things gold, and he loves her so much, and has she's the favorite that he has turned her gold, and that's why he keeps her separate because she's so precious. Well, when in reality, she's the one that turns it gold because she's amazing, and he's a piece of shit, and so that's why she's kept there. And anytime that she touches stuff, I think it's during the day. Is that what the rule is? Is that when she turns it to gold, yeah, I think or something so. along those lines. But so you don't quite know that. And you get hints. You get hints throughout. But then there's a scene when they finally get captured by those ice pirates. Snow Snow pirates. Pirates. Here we go. Snow (laughs) pirates. Pirates. (laughs) Snow pirates. And they're being held captive. Her and one other of the saddles in the captain's chamber. And he's already raped the other woman. Of course, you know. That was horrifying. That was horrifying.
0: Yeah, that scene was very. That also, not to interrupt you, but that also really bothered me that we, that Oren is never touched even, like, not that I wanted to see her on the page, like harmed, but it was like, but you get this long drawn out, like, description of this other woman being harmed.
1: Yeah, and what's super mindfucky about it is that that's a term, mindfucky. Um Is yeah. that she, you know, as a saddle, right, like her job is to just have sex with whomever wants to have sex with her. So this other woman, like, just goes on all fours and just puts up with it, but obviously she doesn't want it. And she's like crying. And then the guy gets more violent with her and it, because it's just so awful to witness. And I think it's slightly more palatable as a reader when it's not happening to the main character. I think that would have been a line that we wouldn't, that Raven doesn't cross. Like I've read pretty much everything she's written and she doesn't, doesn't go to that line. So it's a way to, to show how brutal this world is without taking it that last final step to do it to the main character, which, I mean, we kind of saw with the King Midas thing, but she wasn't in that same mindset, you know? Like, but yeah, so that's super awful. Super awful. But that is also the turning point where she now, she's distraught, Orin's distraught watching this, and that is what pushes her To turn that bastard into solid gold, which is the first scene you ever see, because she just (laughs) has her hand, touches him, and he turns into a statue, and as the reader, you're just like,
2: oh my fucking God,
1: what did I just read?
2: She has her hand on his throat, too, so when you first start reading it, you're like, is she choking him? Where did she get this strength? And you're like, oh, holy shit. No, she's just kind of like, (laughs) like hocus pocus. You know, at the very end where she turns to, like, stone and dust, that's, like, how I that's how I would imagine it happening. But, yeah, I thought that was neat, too.
0: I thought it was interesting, like, what that scene really showed us was the burden of gold. Because she turns him solid gold, which would be worth a lot of money, in places where gold has a relevance to money. But instead, it's like, what are we going to do with this literal, enormous burden that we now have to somehow get rid of? How are we going to carry this? How are we going to pick it up? Like, How do we explain this? And it is, like you said, this was a big turning point. And uh, it was also a big turning point for her relationship. It is Polly, right? Is that the name of the?
1: I don't think that one was Polly. I can't remember
0: the fucking names. All right, well, with the other saddle. Who becomes, like, her her closest ally, I would say, with the other women. Because they go through this fucking trauma together. And then they have to, like, basically lie together after that. Which, nothing brings you closer with somebody as, like, a kid. When you do something that you get you in trouble and then you have to lie about it together.
2: Well, and that scene also, even though, even though we see it in multiple places, I think that's when like the true power of her ribbons kicks in which can we talk about she's got ribbons that like grow out of her back. Oh.
1: <laughs> I also found the name. It's Rissa. Rissa, Rissa. is uh, Polly Thank is the you. one who's like a bitch to her the whole time, but Rissa okay. is her Thank somewhat you. friend. Who also also blackmails her on that fact multiple times cuz she's like you're going to pay me in gold to keep this secret and then there's multiple times well they're all still captives where she's like you still owe me. It's like how do you expect her to do this right now? Rissa, shut up.
0: Like, <laughs> I was on Rissa's side. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <With
1: Risa. laughs> Typical.
0: Oh, and, I'm just <laughs> and, and the thing about, uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is that the other women are trained performers. They have like a real skill. So they have people skills. They have like acting skills, essentially. They're, they're like these, um, I don't even know what the word would be, but they actually know what they're doing. And Oren is just like a baby. Like, just literal would that would drive me fucking crazy to be around her i'd well, be no, like you are per- the fucking worst
1: <laughs> performer is a great way to say that too because once they're all held captive they're on like this basically like a pirate ship going across the snow and they're meant to serve serve all the men you know like food and stuff and like like you say the performers and even though none of them want to be there it's gonna go better for them if they play along and like act like they want to be there just because then it's
0: they can manipulate the situations. Right. Too. Right.
1: They're still going to get raped because they don't want to be there, but it's going to be less violent. Probably. Possibly. I guess it's, you know, make the best of what you can at that point. But yeah, but Orin has no idea what the fuck she's doing. They like delegate her to doing dishes. Cause she like, can't,
0: she needs to be like, she would be a pain in the ass to have around. You'd be like, oh, she's yeah. a liability everywhere she goes.
2: Yeah. Well, and even that captain, like I thought it was interesting because she's technically escaped her cage. But even the captain won't let her go into the ro- the serving room because he doesn't want, like, Commander Rip to see her. So, like, just even, like, in her new captivity, she is still forced to, like, remain separate from the people. There was one point where she said, like, some of these, some of them don't like me, a lot of them hate me, but, like, they're the only things I know from home. So, uh, they're like, oh. I know, right? So <laughs> really- much... There's <laughs> so much heartbreak in this book. <laughs> I wrote down
1: earlier today, I wrote down a quote because I was looking through, and this was actually one of the most popular highlighted quotes like on Kindle for this book. And it was men making deals on the behalf of women never seems to go very well for the women. Yeah. I was like, oh, isn't that real life?
0: And the funny thing is, who has the power the whole time? She does. It's and that, what a beautiful analogy for all of us.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. right? It is
0: also an analogy for capitalism. I said I was joking before, but I wasn't. It really was, for sure. no, no. yeah, That is it's... certainly in there.
1: Raven has, I will die on this hill that she is a master genius, beautiful person. Like, the sort of underlying threads that she can put into these books, where you think you're reading about, like, you know, a gilded... Person or about gold, like the King Midas fantasy. There's that Cupidity series, which is also amazing. That's like, ooh, fun, I'm reading about Cupid's, but there's like that whole underlying, again, patriarchal situations where it takes like these real-life deep-seated issues and threads them into a story to a point where you're like, oh, that's interesting, oh, that sounds familiar. But it's in this fantastical world. It's
0: hitting a little too close to something that I know. (laughs) For real. Um, off, Off subject, but... Who's hotter, King Rot or the Commander in the Commander Rip form? Oh, that's hard.
1: I and she fucks them both, right? Like in both I, forms, yeah. I believe. I feel like I I feel like we just get to see the Commander more. Yeah. So that's what I'm picturing right now because honestly, like I would have to go back to read the description of King Rot, the
0: Commander. So King Rot, which one looks more Fey?
2: Is it the Commander?
1: The commander, he has like the spikes all over, right? Right. Which is just and and like
2: his ears are, yeah, and his ears are a little tipped. Yeah, some more clay. Yeah, okay. And then, but King Rot has the crown.
1: He has like the where it's like the I think the ink under the skin because that's like those lines of rot, like when he walks and it like kills the ground beneath him, which makes me wonder because we're jumping all over the place at this point. We've already brought you all the way to the end of book three. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. But like (laughs) when we get to him being in his world, I'm curious. I'm curious if that will change into things that are growing under his feet.
0: Well, also, he can bring things back to life if they're not rotted for too long.
1: Right. So I think that, that, you know, because right now that's kind of, it's part of his intimidation factor is that everywhere he walks, he just, death sprouts from his footsteps. Like, Jesus Christ, like, what do you do with that? Like, this person is so powerful. But But he does... (laughs) (laughs) he does have like that good side so I think that could bring life which I meant to make this point earlier and you reminded me now by saying like you know he can bring things back to life that's the thing with that gold like when she turned that captain to gold like you don't come back from that
0: or do you he won't but will that bird come back will coin come back I think coin was the analogy for her right the little gold bird that was in the cage with her she escapes the the cage I think coin is going to come back that's my prediction I make it now
1: <laughs> I would need to read that. I don't remember coin.
2: I'm trying to think. I mean, I remember reading about it. That and would the be... woman, who she turns to gold. Sorry.
1: Huh. I think that's part of her burden is that she has to live with the fact that I don't think they will. I'll, I'm gonna no. let's put five dollars on this. Let's do it. See who wins. I don't think they come back from this. Yeah. I think that's part of part of the curse is that you can be right. You're fucked once you do it. You're fucked. <laughs> well, because <laughs> why see- does the
0: gold wear off sometimes?
1: Like on physical things, like the coating. I think it's because she. I don't know. She does like the coating of it rather than turning it solid mm, gold. Mm. I don't know.
0: These are questions. These are questions for future
2: books. That's a good question. Yeah. I think it is.
1: I think it's a coating because if we're gonna jump all the way to the very end when things <laughs> things come I, apart, the whole thing doesn't crumble around them, right? Just parts of it.
2: I don't know. Now I just like can't stop thinking about the bird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, like there's that part where she kills the uh where she turns the the pirate to gold and the other woman rissa is like is he is he dead she's like oh yeah he's totally dead like <laughs> but then i was like well maybe she doesn't really know like what would happen to somebody after the fact because she wouldn't know that but i i feel like they're i feel like they're definitely gone because they didn't rot like they died in a whole different way But they threw his
0: body overboard. So even if he's gold, he's not coming back. Even if he could come back, he's not. He's dead
2: twice. Yeah, he'll die in the snow. Yeah,
1: And maybe that's part of her, like, her feyness. Like, maybe that's a skill she has that she doesn't know. I guess we'll find out.
2: Right.
1: Plus, I think I've heard rumors that this might be a five-book series, not a four-book series. Oh, Oh,
0: okay. So I didn't even know how long it was supposed to be.
1: I know it was supposed to be four, but I want to say and I should I should know this because I stalked the shit out of Raven, but like I <laughs> I thought maybe she said that she thinks it might end up being five.
2: Can I just note something too that I loved about that scene when she killed the pirate? The very last thing she says at the end of that chapter because I just turned the motherfucker solid gold. <laughs> and I oh. I love because that's like a part where you get there's um there's like little pieces where she talks about like in the early in the first book where she's like you can do this you won't be a mouse you can do this you won't be a mouse like um because she's trying so hard to like kind of be brave i just think it's interesting all these ways that you see her i guess knowing how the third book ends like we all know how the third book ends and like what it culminates to so when i reread the first book i was like oh oh yeah i get that now like, that makes sense. There was another line. So this is after they've shoved him out the window. Um, and she's trying to figure out, like, her lo- the story that they're going to tell or whatever about what happened to him. And she goes, I give one last look at the gleaming captain below. He's cursed to forever have shock in his eyes and pants around his ankles. He's also richer than he ever dreamed, but too dead to appreciate it. For a man so- solely motivated by coin and pleasure, that thought makes me immensely satisfied. That's a great it's so that good
1: great. sentiment right there um i also just to confirm and make sure i wasn't lying to everyone i just looked it up and raven kennedy herself and her reader group has stated that it is going to be planned for five books but she'll know when she gets there so that leaves it open to possibly more so there's three currently published a fourth coming out fifth for sure which makes sense 'Cause there's a lot still going on. A
0: lot to do. Me an asshole who thought it was a three book series when I was reading it and then it doesn't end. And I was like, What the what the fuck? I happens? remember when you said that. <laughs> Surprise, yeah. cliffhanger. Well, after the first one, I was like, Oh shit, this is a
2: cliffhanger. I was not did not see that coming. There's really no there's no romance in the first book. Like traditional, right? Not really. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The only romance you see is between her and her captor.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so what I found so fascinating is that she can hold the reader's attention for, like, it is the slowest of Burns, really, when you, like, look it was. at it. But you're so invested in this story, like, this transformation of this purse. I was like, I'm just on an adventure with this woman, and s- some of it's real bad. Actually, most <laughs> of it's real bad. But look at her becoming free again. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So that's, I just appreciate like how well she, like there's been three books and I'm like, yeah, don't stop writing them. Just keep going. Seven, <laughs> well, eight, the, well, I'll read them. It's that character
1: building and there. And as someone who writes all 300 page books, like <laughs> and talk crap about myself here, but like in order to get that sort of depth, like you need this amount of length of time, especially with the world building. I think that's a difference too. Like if you're just talking like contemporary, It's today. You don't need to have all this extra build-up. But, like, yeah, you're not bored. Like, it just goes through, and it's building, and then you have all those complex emotions, like the Stockholm Syndrome, which we've all probably read books like that, especially there's, you know, like, different mafia-type books now and everything else where they have that. But, like, I've never seen it this well done or this realistically. And it's great that she doesn't end up with her captor and just, like, accepts the Stockholm Syndrome like we see happen so often, which, again, is fine, and I enjoy those books too. But, like... It takes time to break it like it's yeah it's that abuse cycle and as you watch it pull through because right his whole thing is like you owe me King Midas because I saved you originally off the streets when really too once we find out that she's the one turning things gold it's like oh you bitch mm-hmm. like she doesn't owe you shit like she's made you a king and you're still like holding her here but then you go back and find out more and more about their backstory oh my god you hate him even more.
0: Listener, you do not owe anybody anything. I don't care what they've done for you. What turned me on to Rip, and when he first got on the scene, like, you know he's going to be the love interest right away. You know it. You can feel that it's coming. But I was like, how is this going to happen? How am I going to like this guy, right? And the reason that she won me over with him, and I resent this because it was so good, (laughs) was so he sits Oren down, for like an interrogation is how she sees it essentially. But the questions he asks her are like so gentle and real. They're the first time she's not being gaslit by a man, like almost ever in her life. And she, the questions like break her a little bit when she's talking to him and he's just, so good in those moments and like I was like okay like I I see what she's doing this is so good it's working on me so well like I'm immediately on this guy's side like I want her with him and it's like such a good contrast to how bad King Midas is and it gets you excited for what's to come because you know that he's gonna help her find her truth and like find her way.
1: Well and it shows how deep seated her issues are you know because even as this person's like Pointing it out rather blatantly, like, well, he kept you prisoner. no, that was for my protection. You know, like but yeah, that's someone who's heard that for years and years and years, and it's yeah, you love him for it and then you get frustrated with her for it, and you're just like, Oh god, how long is this gonna take before she like sees the light? But it's a realistic amount of time. She doesn't just like the first handsome man who's like, You were captive. She's
2: like, Okay, you
1: know, like it takes Which her time. I would
2: I would be tempted yeah. to write it that way. Right. Would well, <laughs> Yeah, but their relationship is really, like, earned. Like, she – you know what I mean? Like, it makes – because she was with Midas for 10 years. As a child. Yeah, she was 15, so it was, like, very formative time for her. Grooming, I think we call it. Yes, exactly. So, like, to undo that, I think, like, that's clearly why you need so many books because I don't think anything else would really be believable. And, you need like, I also feel like we needed to be separated enough from – her love for Midas, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, For us to believe that she would, like, have feelings for someone else.
0: And I like that she's physically has to be separated from him and go Mm -hmm. on a journey, because this is true of a lot of abusive relationships, whether it's family or it's uh, someone you're in a romantic relationship with. You have to physically leave. Like, you can't heal where you got sick. This was really true. Like, she had to get out of... The like the sickness basically, so that she had to get into the air so that she could heal herself and just really good symbolism. I love it. Well,
1: and too so we're, I mean, we're going through all three of the books, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, like, yeah, book... sorry,
0: I think I introduced this as just one. Sorry, listeners,
1: <laughs> we've gone off the rails. It's fine. Well, so then you know, book one ends with her meeting Captain Rip who we all kind of, I think you kind of ever kind of assumes right away too, but you're just not sure how that he's also King Rot, but you don't understand mm-hmm. how this works. right? Um, so then book two Oh, no, is... wait.
0: I was surprised.
1: <laughs> Were you? Is that something <laughs> cousin? Listen to yeah. that. <laughs> really? <laughs> Oops,
0: I think I was. I'm pretty sure I was surprised.
1: <laughs> I, I kept going back and forth on it because I'm like, I know they're the same person, but then you would see something... That would be contrary to that, where you're like, oh, but he's there. And you're like, wait, how does that work? Then he takes her. And then so book two is she's being held kind of captive by him, but she has a ton of freedom. And so that's too where she like doesn't know what to do with it because she gets like her own. Well, no, she doesn't get her own tent. She stays with his, but she gets to like walk around one room, two beds. Yeah, Right. (laughs) But she can walk around the campsite. And then, like, you know, she tries to send, like, a letter to Midas through, like, the bird or whatever it was. And I think it gets thwarted because the birds don't listen to her. So, like, he has this whole second book of her growth. And that's when, you know, he kind of calls her out for being Faye. Like, you're magical. You can't just... Most people don't have these magic ribbons coming out of their back. Like, you need to learn how to control it. So he's, like, helping to give her her own strength back and independence by helping her control this magic. And then, you know, those same questions that you were talking about where he's like, you know, but were you held captive? You didn't really want to be there. You know, like, did he really give you choices? And it, like, just batters against her brain. And she tells him, like, I will always choose King Midas. And she tells him this. And then at the very end of two, that's what she does. She goes right back to him. And you're just, like, wanting to rip your hair out. But she said it. She said it the whole time that that's what she was going to do because she needs to confront him. And then I think I think it's in the end of book two is when she finally does confront him and he shows his true colors by shoving her back in a fucking cage. Yep. And you're just like, oh, God, get mad. And she does, and it's glorious.
0: Yeah, it's a great escalation, and it's he's trying to make it worse. He's like, well, I'm redoing your cage. So just for safety, I'm going to put you in this essentially like Closet right. for a while
1: <laughs> tiny little closet God.
0: and this time she's like actually motherfucker you're not gonna do yeah. that and that gives you something as a reader to hold on to cause yeah. you're like okay a little change some stakes we're moving up in an upward trajectory like I'm with you
1: she finally got to have her confrontation with him and he fucked it up just as bad as you knew he was going to So then she finally sees what you want her to see, which is just, like, what you've been waiting for at this point for two books. Like, (laughs) which makes it all the more satisfying.
2: It does. And you know what else I love about her character? is like, seeing her rage, like, because she's so contained. So, like, in the first book, first of all, Sale is a guard that travels. I'll just, like, I'm all over the place, but I have to talk about this part. But it goes into what I just said. So Sale's one of the guards, accompany on their journey, right, to the other kingdom, and they become really good friends. He's a younger guy who's from a similar, like, early life as she had, you know, a life of poverty, and, like, you can even tell he feels bad that he's wearing all this gold-plated armor when, you know, that's not the life that he came from. But anyways, until the very end, he is trying to protect her, and he's, like, her only friend, really. And then he is... He is killed. And I'm sorry for the spoiler, but we talked, we're doing spoilers. We're doing all the spoilers. Um, And there's this really horrific part where you're like, all right, well, that was terrible. And I cried, but I guess I don't have to see that again. But then the pirates do something horrible and they mount him to the ship. And she gets so angry that she has like this single minded mission to free him. And she doesn't care what happens to her for doing that. Like, and that's when she, like, that's when you really see how strong those ribbons are that she has. Like, the magic she doesn't even really kind of recognize that she has. I don't know. That scene just really got me. But I also liked how angry and mad she finally let herself be.
1: Like, she finally lost her shit over the treatment of this man's corpse who died trying to protect her. And yeah, then she has her ribbons come to life and then instead of just being drapery on her pretty outfits, it's yanking this grown adult man down. The first man who's ever been kind to her, I think, you know, and treated her like something other than... Well, her
0: guard, too. Yeah. Oh, too, right, right. yeah. Oh, right, right,
1: right. Yeah, and like, just, yeah, like, using that. And part of you, too, is like cringing, so you're like, oh, don't give away that you can use those.
0: Oh, I was cringing yeah. hard. I was like you know you can push this guy away with your ribbons. Just just do it, please. Or like, right. yeah, it was like a really kind of tense, not kind of, it was a really tense scene. <laughs> and I was definitely like freaked out. Uh, I was very frustrated in that scene. I had a different response than you, Gabby. I was yeah. like, who cares about his fucking body? Like, you are in imminent danger. Get yourself mm-hmm. the fuck out of here. It was like a real like get out moment. I was like, just get the fuck out. <laughs> but she's like insistent. That did kind of drive me bananas when I was reading it.
1: I I agree with both of you in the sense that, like, for me, if I'm thinking the realistic side of it, the personal side of it, where it's like, it, you know, he's dead, he's gone, it's just a body, who cares? But then there's the emotional side of it where she's so connected to this person and, like, just, like, that personal affront that she, of doing this and, like, the final straw and having just basically a mental breakdown at this point. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's unrealistic or not what she should have done as far as safety goes yeah but sometimes you just lose your shit
2: i was just gonna say other than digby when he kills the other king who's like about to kill her earlier in the first book she's never had anybody stand up like so like even while it's realist unrealistic it really i think it makes sense for her character because she she's like very much a sensitive soul that just wants love And, like, acceptance and people, like, I just, like, like I say about some characters, I just, like, want to put her in my pocket, keep her real safe. Because, like, (laughs) she just, like, she's so sensitive and, like, empathetic, truly, that I think it makes sense for her character to do what she did. Even if, to us, we're like, no, man, just jump over the boat. Get out of there. I agree. I think you're right. It just drove me
0: absolutely fucking crazy when I was reading (laughs) it. It's like, you know when you have those moments when you're reading and you're like, scrolling extra fast you're like okay all right okay okay just come on get through it <laughs> i i do think i think one one of the reasons why we're having a hard time just talking about the first book is because these stories really seamless seamlessly move through each other you really do kind of like float into one to the other to the other so it's like hard to kind of parse them out
1: oh for sure well and too like it's you know it's it's the cliffhangers it's the same story it's one story continued through written in sections and each book gets longer like when I picked up this book today I'm like oh right the first one's like a normal length and then the next one gets longer and then book (laughs) three is like, like 600 or 700 pages or whatever it is you know and it's because it's so intricate and there's so much growth and then as you add on characters and that brings different levels and different you know viewpoints it's it's a lot but it is it's It's just, she's just so well-written. Like, it's just, I can't get over how much I love this series.
0: (laughs) That's when you know a writer is in their flow when their shit gets longer, like the next book. Mm -hmm. Because they figured something out. It's like, they've got the story. Yeah. must be nice. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Not currently in any flow. Just, I'll say that.
2: Well, and when you think about the first book, it really only takes place over, what, maybe a couple weeks? But it's so detailed. Like there's so much time spent showing you who Orin is. Orin, Orin, I just say that wrong. Orin, yeah. How do you say it? Orin? It's Orin, right? It's gotta be Orin. 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 Sorry, Raven, if we got it wrong. I was trying to you know, like when you sound out names when you're reading and then I would have like a mental argument, like an internal argument in my brain about it, and I was like, just move on. You can figure it out later. Anyways, you wouldn't even think that she grows that much in the first book, even though she does but that's why you can't talk about just the first book. Yeah. Because it's like she had some inkling that things are not as they should be, but a variety of things happened to finally get her there. I definitely cried. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: I cried many times during this series. Yeah. There is also, since we're talking about how to pronounce it, and it doesn't help on how to actually pronounce it, and maybe you guys already got there, but I only knew, figured this out because someone else made a comment in, like, some fan club. But Oren, the AU, which is the periodic table symbol for gold right like mm-hmm. i was like oh that's smart clever, clever. Gabby's finger your- <laughs> i did
2: <laughs> raven you gotta kennedy you got to stalk her
1: better Come raven on. if you
2: listen to this podcast how are she you doesn't. so amazing <laughs> slow clapped <laughs> oh my god i didn't even like i've i've read the first one two times and i never even I didn't put it
1: together. Someone else made a comment, but that's because I, like I said, I stalk her shit. I mean that.
2: One thing about
0: the description of Oren, which super creeps me out, is and how she wrote it was like so weirdly sexual and creepy at the same time. Is like, okay, Oren's all gold, right? Except the whites of her eyes, I believe, hmm. and the she was like in like the pink of her tongue. I was like, well, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Something about that's so creepy.
1: <laughs> that's so funny.
0: But like, it's like, well, how are you gonna do a blowjob scene if she has a gold tongue? Can't right, do yeah. that.
1: It's gonna be tough. Well, you gotta get to the innards. She's obviously human on the inside, you know. Is like, she? We don't know. Well, she I think has bodily functions, right? Yeah.
0: Here's my other question too. Uh will predictions. Let's have some predictions for the end. So we have the okay. prediction about I think the bird is coming back and maybe that other woman. But you think not. You might be right, but I'm just going to go with that. That's fine. Uh, yeah. Other thing, will she t- turn, will she be ungilded?
1: I am wondering if when she goes wherever he's taking her. Because now we have five books, so I think at the end of book three, and I think we can let that be, because if someone hasn't read the very end of book three, I don't want to spoil that scene, because that scene I literally shouted out loud alone in my living room because it was so fucking awesome. So if you haven't been convinced yet, read the series just to finish book three. It's so fucking good. So then King Rat, a.k.a. Commander Rip, is taking her back to, I'm assuming, his home. But there's been a lot of mentions throughout the series of the Feylands. And I think, like, the bridge has been destroyed between the lands or something. Now that we know there's going to be a fifth book, I think there's going to be a time when they get to these Feylands, and I think her appearance might change entirely. Because that's the whole thing with Commander Rip to King Rot, is that he can flip back and forth between his appearances. So I think she will be able to do the same thing.
0: Ah, so smart. And... Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. I'm going to spoil it. She, I was glad when they cut the ribbons off of her. That felt right to me. I was like, that, oh, that, you that monster. Felt so, well, ah. I wasn't like glad. I wasn't like happy that she was like <laughs> mutilated. But I was glad in a symbolic way. I understood what was I was like grateful for that moment because I was like, those were holding her back. Those. Ribbons. Oh, I
1: want her. I want them to grow back and have her yeah. be better than ever with them. Because
2: but they're... not as they were. True. True. Oh, that scene killed that me. That was the
1: worst scene ever. Oh, tough. my God. It was oh,
2: She talks about, like, when they wrap themselves around her and squeak like a, ha- like a friend. Like a friend. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was
0: more upsetting than sale, honestly. But now she has well, to learn how to do that on the inside. She cannot, she can't rely. Yeah, but she can strangle people
1: with ribbons. You can't strangle she, people with your self But self-esteem. she can't
0: rely on old coping mechanisms and you absolutely can strangle people with your (laughs) self-esteem put
2: it on the record i was like but she can't with her hands because she talks a ton about how she has no upper body strength (laughs) yeah but then she starts to
0: like get combat training and also she she gets another power like she has other powers basically yeah
1: well that is to when king rot sees like is trying to figure out what's wrong with her at the end before the final showdown and he sees the small ribbon tied to her wrist. And like, I think that for him was like the heartbreak that he felt just like on her behalf of knowing, knowing that it happened. Like, honestly, the whole scene when they cut the ribbons off, like I was expecting a rape scene there. Cause like, you know, she's drugged, she's held in like this dungeon room and you're just like, Oh God damn it. They're going there. This is going to happen. And then for some, like that was almost worse. Like, it was
0: really really hard.
1: I mean it's like having it, something ripped away from her. Oh, it was just so bad. Was it was so bad. But it but was such brilliant. such a great moment. Yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. Like it was so well written.
0: Cuz you're worried about those ribbons. A lot of they're vulnerable and a lot of yeah. they're vulnerable but they also protect her and a lot of shit happens to them. And mm-hmm. I think you're always thinking about it a little bit. Yeah. Well,
2: I also thought that part was surprising because it felt like a late game horrify you know like sometimes when you read a series especially a fantasy series where a lot of really terrible things happen to characters that you love but like at a certain point the really awful things kind of abate and then you know as they grow more powerful and I was like oh holy shit that was a late <laughs> game awful thing to happen <laughs> yeah no, so it was real. like a, it was a good I mean it was well done clearly because I can't think about that scene anymore without like being very yeah. sad
1: I mean I almost want to go back and just read that scene because it was so well written even though it's just like horrible mm, but, yeah. but reading it separate from like during the story will help me to disassociate yeah. a little bit from it and just appreciate well, the writing
0: <laughs> think about as a writer that like what I have to do is think about it as a writer because as a writer my instincts would be like you got to keep those ribbons those are like your storyline those are your character and also because like I n- never want to really hurt my characters
1: right you know like
0: I, I know not like that because you like because that's so painful. And so when they were taken from her in a really violent, gruesome way, I was like, nope, that was the right move. Instantly, I was like, that was the right move. It had to happen. Yeah,
2: It all makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, having read the end of the third book, like, it makes sense. It all had to happen.
1: It was a good plot point. Yeah.
2: Beautiful transformation
1: kind of story. Yeah. Just awful. <laughs> Just, and that's like, why... And, <laughs> Like, this is what Raven does so well, is, like, there's so many, I mean, overall, if you tally up, anyone that's listening to this episode is like, what the fuck sort of book is this? Like, how many times have we talked about rape and the being held captive and everything? Like It's really good. Just read it, like, if you haven't already. I mean,
0: content and trigger warnings is always, yes. like, there's violence. Yes. Yeah, there's yep. some gore. There's some rape. There's definitely, like, some scary moments.
1: But it all, and it all fits with the story and fits with the situation and the time and like the world that they're in, you know, which doesn't make any of it okay, but it makes it realistic in the setting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is an example of like, when is it appropriate to write things on the page? You know, it's not, it, I will, for me, maybe a little gratuitous at times, (laughs) but I understand that's part of the genre. Like, I'm just very sensitive to that kind of stuff, but But I mean, justified, justified for the story and Mm -hmm. serves the story.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everything atrocious that you witness does have a place. And it's not just to be ridiculous, to be ridiculous Mm -hmm. or over the top or, you know, none, none of it's just for the shock factor.
0: What else? Do we have anything else we want to say about it? But I'm not even gonna lie to you guys my emotions not the bird close (laughs) i'm still thinking about that scene in the tent with with uh commander rip and orin where they're talking and they have and like she starts to she reacts really defensively because he's asking her honest questions it was so good oh it was
1: so good you know when you're asking about at the very beginning of this conversation right is it romance he is the romance. Like, but you don't meet him till the very end of book one. So, and then in book two, it's like you know they're gonna get there, but they're not there yet because she's fighting it.
0: They have a little bit of like hooking up, though, you know that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but not. I mean, but she's still under the. I'm going back. I'll go back to King Midas. Like I told you, I will, and I'm going to. You know, we'll make it right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. But yeah, he's. He's that. He's not even really, like, the antihero, because he's just good to her, (laughs) you know? No, he's not bad at all. No, he just has a horrible reputation. But again, that is all filtered through King Midas. Everything we know about him, we know that she's learned, like, through her captor.
0: But don't you think, also, King Rot is like, yeah, this is what I use to...
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he totally uses that, like, the fear factor. Right. But I'm guessing when we get to his kingdom, that his people will love him.
0: They're not going to
2: be in poverty.
1: Yeah. It's going to be the complete opposite.
2: I don't know. I feel like I could talk all day about just, like, the gaslighting and, like, how subtle and how well she writes it. Like, I highlighted some passages where I was like, look, look. Oh, here we are. It's the part after, you know, he won't let her participate. It's in the very beginning. Um, he won't let her participate in sort of, like, the group sex scene that's going on.
0: <laughs> I mean, because, you
2: know. Um, Great opener again. Yeah. 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 And the way he just turns everything back on her, he says, uh, you know, she's she realizes she has said something that has upset him. And she's like, no, you're right. I was just thinking. And he cuts her off. And he says, you are not here to have thoughts. My just snaps, cutting me off in a rare, harsh discipline that makes my breath catch. He was in such a good mood and I ruined it. Uh. Do I not uh. treat you? Do I not treat you well? He demands, flinging his arms up as his voice cracks through the vast room. Do I not bespo- bestow every comfort to you? And like, oh, and then he go and he talks about and then he goes on to say, like, there's people he says whores. And and then yet you complain. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then she's basically like apologizing for her own feelings. Oh, my God. You know what?
0: To me, that's like very abusive parent. Mm -hmm. Like, I give you everything and you're still not the perfect child to me.
1: If I had a boss like that, like, you're lucky that you have a job you should be happy with. But, yeah, her her comment there that just, like, when it's like, oh, he was in a good mood and I ruined it. Like, oh, you just, like, want to slap her and just be like,
2: this isn't okay. You could literally murder this man in a heartbeat.
1: Oh, not feel bad about it. Yeah.
2: But how many people have been, like, men and women in relationships where the other partner has, like, does that? Like... Oh, too many. You're responsible for every feeling that they have, basically. I deeply related to this. Not
0: in, like, romantic relationship sense, but in other relationships for sure. Um, Just, like, walking on eggshells around somebody. Or you're always trying to be perfect for them. Even if it goes Mm -hmm. against the, like, freedom of your soul and right. so you can't be perfect because your yeah. your everything inside of you is like we can't do this but your brain is warped because your reality isn't right so you're mm-hmm. like but we're gonna keep trying and you keep trying but you keep being miserable and that's like the cycle of just being miserable and sometimes getting like love crumbs every mm-hmm. once in a while well,
1: yeah. i think that's what raven kennedy does so well and so easy to associate with her characters is because even if like you said it's not with a significant other like Most people have some sort of experience that aligns with this somewhere on that scale, whether it's spot on or lightly or whatever, you know, like there's just so easy to relate to. And you wouldn't think that like a golden woman would be someone that you relate to in a book necessarily, but like she just finds a way to do it because of all these nuances and emotional experiences where you're like, oh, I get it. You know, like, you get it. I mean, a lot of it's frustrating, but you you understand why she has the reactions she does. Yeah.
0: The um, genuineness of the portrayal is what keeps you around, because you're frustrated, but you're like, this is real. These are real right. feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. Fantastical setting, real feelings, which is always, like, the best way to write a fantasy, in my opinion.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, at the end of book two, I was furious when she was like... He's like, well, you know, King Minus wants you. Will you, do you want to go? And she's like, yes. And you're like,
0: God damn it. And Rot I- lets her leave. Yeah. That's the And other he's thing. pissed
1: at her because he's pissed yeah. that he chose, she chose him, but it's like, obviously, because she needs to have this out with him, which she did, you know, like she had to do it, but even at, you're just so frustrated with her. Even though she's told you the whole time, that's what she's (laughs) going to do. It shouldn't be a surprise.
0: Yeah. Like she's true to her word, which good for her. She's stuck to her word, honestly. Yeah. But like the other, like thematically, the other theme here is if you love something, you let it, you set it free. Right. And that's such a, that is also threaded all throughout all three books because King Rot never really holds her prisoner. She could always pretty much leave. And if he, (laughs) if if he hadn't
1: let her go. He, you then know, he wouldn't be loved, guys. Then he's another jailer, just like he was, and right. she never would have figured it out. And she needed to have that that final conversation with him. Well, not final, because obviously book three happens, and there's plenty of conversations. But, you know, she had to really see Minus for his true colors. I want I want to stop here, because I want to talk about that final scene of book three, but I don't want to do it. Because I'm hoping that this episode will convince at least a couple people to read the series. And that is one thing I think should not be spoiled
2: we won't spoil it i agree and And we can spoil it in
1: the next episode when we decide to do this again and talk about book four then fuck it book three is done with and we can spoil it then but now now they've been warned
2: the end of book three is its own whole whole conversation conversation. yeah Yeah. All awesome. right. Well, we're going to close out
0: the episode now. Um, hopefully, you guys all liked it. I had a great time. Do you guys want to drop your socials one more time so people can follow you and and get and glean, glean more of your uh, writing wisdom?
1: Yeah. I'm going to jump in and go first because I'm a bully. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, SJ Tilly, thanks for listening. <laughs> you can find me basically anywhere under SJ Tilly, SJ Tilly Author. I'm on Instagram on Facebook. I have a reader group. I'm on TikTok. Um, sin series, Mr. Sin, Sin to Miss Sin and the Sleet series, which is hockey rom-com. So none of this fantasy paranormal, amazing world building that we're talking about. Um, and I have the Sleet, Sleet Kitten, Sleet Sugar, Sleet Banshee. So come read my shit. Okay. Bye.
2: um and gabby here um i'm really only on instagram at g marie um come talk to me about books because it is my favorite thing in the entire world to do besides hang out with my cat and follow my writing journey you can hear me or listen or see or read me complain about writing um my imposter syndrome and uh just sharing memes too so yeah that's that's me but also, yeah, follow. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: uh, and I'm Cat. Uh, you can find me on all platforms at Author. You can also find my website at CatwinAuthor.com, which is not be currently being indexed by Google. So that's fun. It will not come up on a Google search. Um, you can also get my book, which is in pre order now, called Partner Tracks. So that's available where books are sold. Please pre order it. Question mark. please. Um, And if you like this new like romance and you want more of this, definitely follow all of us and follow Beatrix at Beatrix Sawad. That's B-E-A-T-R-I-X-S-A-W-A-D. You can find her on most platforms in that name. And then you can follow this podcast at Tall Dark Fictional. That's Tall Dark Fictional with no and um don't find us on twitter we're trying hard on twitter but we're getting nowhere so <laughs> same <laughs> that's it for us i don't have my co-host here to do our usual close uh close out but she always says at the end uh thanks for coming and then we drop the music in <laughs> That's my so all right let's let's turn off the recording
1: I remember someone so bright then. I was really trying not to cry then. I was really hugging you goodbye then. You can have my when I'm dead. Play this shit and listen to what I said.